You've tuned in to the Cat Show podcast, where we're making the world a better place for cats. Hosted by the cat mama herself, Melissa Newman. Well, hello there, cat fam. Welcome to another episode of the Cat Show. You all know I'm a huge advocate for how we should care for and look after all cats and simply make the world a better place for them all. Well, you should also know that I strongly believe and there is scientific evidence to prove that cats do just as much for us as we do for them. In this episode, I talk to Mary West, a breeder of ragdolls and Siberians up in North Queensland. She became a breeder because of the experience she had with her children and their reaction to her ragdolls. She has three beautiful kids, all with special needs, and we chat about what you need to look for in a therapy cat. It's not just for the dogs, you know. Let's listen into the interview. Hi, Mary. Thank you very much for joining me today. How are you going? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Now, Mary West, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Mary West and um, I'm owner of Kamaria Ragdolls and Siberians and I'm located in Townsville in North Queensland. Um, I have been breeding as a registered breeder uh, for nearly five years now and I started with my ragdolls and in the last two years I've added the Siberians. Yeah. And the, you've got quite an interesting story as to why you decided to go into ragdolls and a lot of it's got to do with your kids, hasn't it? Yeah, very much so. Um, I have three kids with special needs, all on the autism spectrum, and we were looking at pets as therapy, and somebody sent me a link to a site in the US, and they were using ragdolls as pets as therapy. So as you do, you jump on and you Google and, you know, research the whole world. And um, it was about 2009 then, and I found a forum called Cats World, and I jumped in there and I spoke to breeders of lots of different breeds, even cats I'd never heard of. And I was still drawn just to the look of the ragdolls and what I'd seen happening in the US with it. So I went, I want to be a breeder, you know, jump in both feet. And I had an elderly Berman breeder who went, stop, go to some shows, get to know the breed and do your research first. So I was glad I listened and I'd done that. And then we got our first pet ragdolls and they were just brilliant with the kids. Um, and then I got my first breeding queen and that was five years ago and it's sort of been ever since then but my very first female ragdoll em uh, oh, sorry emily she's 11 now and she actually will uh, seizure alert for my 16 year old wow that's incredible she's been with us since she was 10 weeks old and she will actually generally avoid amy because amy's very loud she's um out and she's also intellectually impaired so Normally, Emily will avoid her, but if Emily starts circling her, Amy will sit down to pat her. So once she's got Amy sitting down, she will then sit on Amy, and we can pretty much guarantee within five minutes, Amy will have a seizure. Wow, that's incredible. And we've said it to the doctors, and we've had the eye rolls happen, like, you know, oh, that's just something that dogs do, and I'm like, yeah, no. But she's that switched on. My husband has a back injury as well, and I said to him, oh, how's your back? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm fine, and he's Emily... Um, purring like a motorbike in the center of his back and I'm like yeah really and he's like mm, yeah no then she just stopped and she acts like a little heat pack with a vibrator in her <laughs> right on that sore spot so she just dobs everyone in well they actually say that the purr of a cat is, is at a frequency that can actually help heal so 
it's not really um, too far fetched that she actually no. is being a little healer. Yeah, no, she's she's always been like that. Even now, we call her Grumpy Cat. Now she's eleven, but if someone's still not well, she will dob them in. She'll go up and you know, like whether it's hubby with his knee or with his back, you know, she's hanging around it. You know that he's in pain with it, or you know, with Amy to have a seizure, or even the other kids if they've got a cold or flu, that's who she's with. Yeah, it's amazing how they pick up on that, though, isn't it? It's incredible. Particularly, I've I've heard a lot about rag dolls being really good for um, therapy cats. Yeah, very much so. Um, some of the kittens I've bred have actually gone to other kids with autism. We have a very big autism community that will take a Camaria kitten because they're raised, you know, for their first 12 weeks with kids that will squeal and they with kids that are loud, which is funny because two of my kids are actually quite, qu very quiet. And then Amy just makes up for everybody in the house. So by the time the kittens go home, They've been exposed to all of that, as well as, you know, grandkids and yeah. Yeah. whatnot. So they generally make pretty good um, therapy cats in that respect, that there's not too much that ruffles their feathers. And, and I suppose cats are very different to um, therapy dogs um, in a lot of ways, aren't they? Yeah, very much so. Um, sensory processing is a very big part of autism. And um, even though we own two dogs, None of my three kids are overly connected because they don't like the slobber, they don't like the loud barking, they don't like the bounciness, where the cats are quite happy just sit, you know, they, they sort of know which kid they can climb all over, which is usually Amy. But with Kaylin and Tim, they're quite happy just to sit next to them and just be with them. And it's interesting, Kaylin's 14 and she's very introverted, very shy. Uh, she has agoraphobia. And she'll sit and have a conversation with the cat and you say, how are you? And she'll go, fine. <laughs> so she's more likely to have a you know in-depth heart to heart with the cat and get everything off her chest there than to share it with other people in the family so it's quite surprising and I've, I've told the story a couple of times I had a, a grandchild that was a bit traumatized and was having trouble sleeping and she was here staying with us and um, she'd start to cry when you put her to bed at night one of our cats got sick of it and went in there and just started meowing at her one night and this my grandchild was just so shocked that this cat was meowing at her every time she starts to whimper the cat would meow again and the cat would went in there every day for about a week until such time as she stopped whimpering it would just go to sleep so it's amazing how cats can have that real intuitiveness about them i think yeah very much so and i see it um now with the siberians not quite to the level that i do with the ragdoll siberians are very much a one person cat but once they decide that you're it, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the rag, rag dolls are fickle, you know, like um, some of the kittens will love you one day, hate you the next and be on another person in the house the next day. Like they're very family cats where yeah. the Siberians I find are very one-on-one -on -one cats. Yeah. Like I could come into the bedroom and the two kittens who are now uh, five months old would follow me and love me to death. And look at her, be like, mm, imposter, what are you doing in our house? <laughs> and then, yeah, and it took him a lot of hard work for the girls to actually decide that, yeah, all right, well, you can live here with us. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything in particular, apart from just having the ragdolls in the house, that you do um, to help them as good therapy cats? Or is it just the fact that they're well socialised um, and in an environment that's got lots of, you know, you never know what's going to happen moments? I think the difference is 
is I've sort of watched a lot of other breeders and a lot of other cats over probably the last 10 years. And if your cat, you know, for example, is raised by a breeder who's, it's just an elderly couple at home. The only thing they hear is the vacuum probably, you know, every couple of days and the TV now and then. As opposed to here, we've got toys with lights and bells and whistles and vacuum cleaners going, you know, five times a day and washing machine. I think that, the, you know, like, we've actually got one of our kittens in a family home that will sit on the um, the floor robot vacuum cleaner and ride it around like it's a UFO. Oh, my goodness. That's, I've seen those sorts of cats do that on, um, you know, on YouTube. And it's just so funny because there's not a lot that bother them and then I've seen and actually adopted cats from other breeders that you drop a cup and the kitten just about has a heart attack on the spot because it's yep. come from a nice quiet home that we all would really really like but it just doesn't happen here so yeah yeah and the difference is the big age group like my grandkids are from one to nine and then my kids are from 14 to 32 so yeah. so you've got that real range of, of different people and boys and girls and all that yep. sort of thing that sort of helps and it. quiet and so I think yeah. that really does help with the socialise, but I think that's across all breeds. So like if you've got a kitten going into a family home that's got four kids, you really don't want a kitten from an ultra quiet home that's never exactly in its life. So yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. Um, one of the other things that I really um, sort of try to talk about is the adopt and shop responsibly. So I mean, there's always this uh, adopt don't shop stuff which I think has really harmed a lot of um, breeders and breeds because everybody says you know well there's lots of cats around to adopt we shouldn't be breeding them but I'm of the uh, school of thought where we breed particular breeds for particular traits and for particular reasons and I think with what you're doing with the ragdolls is exactly the reason why people should be able to choose a particular breed for purpose because your ragdolls, by the sounds of it, yours in particular, are going to be perfect for as therapy cats for any kid that's got issues. Sure. Yeah, very, so. very much so. Very much so. Adopt, don't, you know, instead of shop, takes out the fact that when, for example, uh, my stud boy's Judah is higher. And for me, it's not just contacting another person who's got a boy available. I want to know what the trait of, the, not just that kitten's going to be, but the mother and the father and like I've just sort of brought in uh, two new kittens for my lines and I've actually watched the kittens mother and grandmothers from both lines and know what they're like so yeah I can't I can't just go and pick I just want a blue point female and that's it no I need it to be this way personality wise and I've actually even kept queens myself um or potential queens and then to six six months because they've not got the personality I need yeah yeah so, and I, I, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize when you're talking to breeders and you're doing your research around which or what breeders you should be working with it's those sorts of conversations that you really need to have to find out how invested the breeder is with their lines and what they're actually trying to do with their lines because all breeders tend to be uh, tend to do things for different reasons so some breeders um, I know for instance uh, some of the Bengal breeders will be breeding for a particular ear shape um, and temp obviously with Bengals temperament's really important as well um, Abyssinians which have been around forever and a day 
um, is about really getting to that really good standard, but also the temperament is important. And yeah. I can imagine with ragdolls, particularly the ragdolls, because, you know, like you said, they're, they're probably the better of the therapy cats. It's sort of the same thing. Temp I mean, you're obviously looking for the standard and the look, but that temperament would have to be paramount to, to what you're trying to do. Yeah, very much so. Like my best queen at the moment, I wouldn't put her on the show bench. Um, that's like I, I've shown her photo to judges and they're like, why not? I'm like, to me, she's not perfect. But temperament wise and what she passes onto her kittens, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but then like I've got a queen here at the moment, her entire lines are championship lines, but she's a standoffish cat and I don't want to carry them lines on because her kittens from her, she's had one litter and while they're cute, they're not therapy cats, you know, like they're normal yeah. family cats. So with the three kittens that she had, I wouldn't have placed any one of them as a therapy cat. Yeah. Um, the two kittens that she's got now, they're only, you know, two and a half weeks old. So it's a bit early to say, but yeah. my plan is that she'll get the sex because she, where, as opposed to Gabby, I normally only do three litters per queen and then I do sex. So they yep. go into homes nice and young and fresh. Yep. She'll have a fourth litter simply because she is such a good mum. She bounces back really quick and yep. she gives the right personality. So I'm really hoping that she'll give me a little bit with a couple of girls and that I can then keep her lines going from yep. that litter. And that's really important for and breeders to know yeah. that about their cats. Yeah, and I suppose one of the other things with breeders is that we'll often have a list of people who are looking for cats, but we don't just give the first person on the list the first kitten that comes along. There tends to be a little bit of, um, a bit like um, perfect match dating <laughs> to get the, the right kitten for the right situation, isn't there? Yeah, well, I, do, I don't keep a waiting list. I refuse to keep a waiting list because, to me, it's more important to match the kitten to the person yeah. than just because you've got the money available. And like, yeah. if you're, you know, just because you've got the funds for a cat doesn't mean that cat's going to suit your home. Yeah. Um, and even when they're born, like, I won't take a deposit on any kittens until I've seen the personality of the kitten. Yeah, And then I'll go through and say, well, this is the sort of home this kitten needs. Who, who have I got that have sh that's shown an interest? Yeah, so Some people may join me for a day and get offered the right kitten because it fits what they need. And others may wait months because yeah. it's not right. Yeah. And then there's others I'll just say, I'm not the right breeder for you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like I've had a few that have been a bit extreme. Like I want a cat that doesn't scratch and doesn't jump in. I'm like, go to Toy World. <laughs> <laughs> But, I love that one. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I know my cats are very in your face and very yeah. loving. So if you want a cat that's just going to lay on the lounge next to you, probably not one of mine because they're yeah. picked up and held and carried around and ride around on the mop when you're trying to mop the floor and chase the vacuum cleaner. They're not shy cats. I mean, yeah. If, if, even the ones that have been on the bench, the judges just love because, like, they actually will turn your face with their paw like, no, just talk to me. Don't worry about everybody else that's here. <laughs> I had one fall asleep on the bench with, a, with his legs up in the air and just snored right through being judged. So. Was that a ragdoll or a Siberian? That was a ragdoll. He was just like, yeah, whatever. You're patting me. I'll just sleep while you talk. <laughs> so, yeah, very much for me as a breeder, it's more temperament than, like, that's yeah. my highest priority. yeah. I mean, and I think, too, if you are showing cats, the fact that they will go to sleep on the bench 
just goes to show that they have the temperament where they they can show if they want to sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, one of my big bugbears is where you've got cats that are not very happy at shows and yet people continue to show them. So showing cats is kind of a, it's a good way to get to meet breeders and understand breeds and things like that. But um, not all cats are made as show cats. It doesn't yeah, mean they're made right. of the breed. Even littermates, I've got um, brother, sister Siberians. The boy, Archie, he's Desex, he's my show boy. He's basically um, my advertising for my Siberian side. And he just assumes that all 500 people at the show are there to see him. Oh, you've got one of those as well. That's yeah. what Leon does. And then I've got his sister who's like, do I really have to be here? <laughs> and she, she, she will sit with her back to everybody like, I'm not talking to nobody. Go away. Where Archie's like, oh, hi, everyone. He's all... And he just gets so excited. Every time someone comes in the cage, he's got the paw out and he's meowing yeah. for their attention. And absolutely loves it. Where uh, Katea's like, nah, whatever. <laughs> we are very much the same. I've got litter mates. One's our dissexed boy, Derek Bennett. And our stud boy, Leon, is his brother. And Derek Bennett... He's the Instagram sensation, but he doesn't like to be judged, particularly after lunchtime. So we don't show him anymore. But Leon, he's like Zoolander. He performs for the, the um, judges. When they get him out, he does all the different stands and he knows which way they're going to turn him next and he poses. And he's always looking for where the camera is in case somebody's taking a picture. And Archie's the opposite. He wants you to talk to him. He'll actually turn your face with his paws. And he'll nibble on the judge's neck and give them kisses. And... Oh, the smoocher. Yeah, he's the <laughs> And he, he just loves everyone. We do a lot of junior handlers with him because we want the younger ones to see how big a Siberian yeah, could be. Yeah. Cancun when they think size. But, I mean, Archie'd probably be a good seven and a half kilos, so he's not a little boy. And then I sort of pick him up and go, oh, wow, is he a Siberian? Uh, is he a Maine Coon? No, yeah. he's so and then we get to have a chat and tell them the, the differences in breeds. But like, he just loves the kids. He just, yeah, show ponies through and through. Oh, that's that's always a good thing. So when it comes the face of us. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to looking for like, if if somebody's watching this and they do have kids and they don't have a cat, but they might have kids either with special needs or maybe they're just shy or maybe they're a bit all over the place. What would you recommend or what, what's the, um, the process that they should be going through to find the right cat for them? I think the, the big thing for them is they really need to chat with their breeders. Um, find, to me, I would say find a breeder that knows special needs kids, whether they have one in their home or a grandchild with special needs, because we tend to know the needs of the kids and we know the needs of the cat better as opposed to you know if i you know if somebody come to me and said um you know my child has this disability and i've never heard of it i'm not going to yeah. know what their particular needs are going to be yeah um, you know like sensory wise like it's quite funny my 16 year old she's out as i said she's intellectually impaired and probably our most visually autistic She's come to a couple of cat shows with us and she's touched the Sphinx and just went, oh, yeah. And sadly, she actually questioned the breeder. Like, where's his fur? Do you not need to take him to a vet? Because she'd never seen it before. So, like, obviously, this poor breeder's offended. But then they said, look oh. at him. You can see that, you know, like, 
you're dealing with someone with special needs. Yeah. You've got to take that into consideration. Not everyone wants the grooming side of owning a rag doll. Like it's not just a cat you can just give, you know, a bowl of food to twice a day and that's it. You do need. But then if you've got a child that you're trying to teach brush their hair, that's how we taught my 14-year-old to brush her hair. She'd groom the cats. Give the give her the brush and the cat yeah. and let and they all love to be brushed. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, well now you need to do your hair. You can't do just for cats and not your own hair. Yeah. And after twelve months, it just became automatic. She'd get up, she'd brush the cat, she'd brush her hair. Wow, that's <laughs> amazing. It's just again, just really work out what breed you're going to use and yeah. Go catch all too. Let your kids be allowed to pat the ones that they're interested in. Like, as I said, if I would have come home with a Sphinx, my kids would have looked at me like I had two heads, like, no, we're not touching that. That's just too <laughs> But even short-haired cats, we've got a domestic that's um, a rescue boy and I hand-fed him from uh, for a few weeks and he's going to be rehomed one day. He's been with us seven years, but he's going to be rehomed one day. <laughs> so I can't see... And they even say to him, oh, you need to grow your fur. You need to grow your fur right at some point. And he's not exactly a short coat, but because they're so used to the ragdolls and now the Siberian, yeah. like, they're big coat cats. Yeah. And my kids just associate, if you have a cat, it's a big ball of fur. But it's fluffy. Yeah. And so, again, it's knowing your kids. Like, my kids all have routines with the cats. They, they're all interactive with the cats and their responsibility with the cats so even again even Amy who's intellectually impaired knows the cats need clean water come and get mum if the litter tray needs doing so yeah don't just make the cat just a pet that's going to do nothing they're actually such a good teaching tool for our special yep. needs kids and yeah. then they can apply that to themselves as well yeah you know, cats don't drink soft drink they've got to have water because it's good for their teeth and they're like oh Okay, well. Yeah. And I suppose that's, that's one of the main things is um, when you're actually looking around for a cat for a therapy reason or as a companion, um, really having a good look at what the different breeds are and what the temperaments of them are like. Obviously, ragdolls are very good for it. Um, here in South Australia, we've got a, a psychologist psych bed that has a cat room with uh, two uh, Somalis and an Abyssinian, which um, they're absolutely fantastic people just spend time in there when they go in there for their sessions and they just help to release, you know, keep them calm. I know of another um, Somali, obviously, because we breed Somalis and um, Abbeys that uh, also went off as a therapy cat with a therapist that just travels with her wherever she goes. So there's, there's sort of a couple of different breeds there that you can look at, but there are actually quite a lot of different breeds. And I know that, um, I find it interesting that you said about the Sphinx, because I know that there are a few Sphinx We've got some great Sphinx breeders in South Australia, and I do know that a few of them have actually had their Sphinxes go to, to homes of people that with special needs as well. So, but Sphinxes, just like ragdolls, they're actually they're they're a lot more weak than you would expect. Yeah, so, and that's yeah. a part a lot of people don't get. They think it's just you know old school. You get a moggy, you throw some whiskers in front of it once a day, and and you're good to go. But um, it, it, it's the, the workload as well. But then I've been talking to, because um, we're an army town up here, we have a lot of people, sorry, a lot of people with PTSD. Yep. And I've been talking to a friend who works for a psychologist that deals with a lot of the fellows coming back from Afghanistan. 
and they're actually considering the Siberians because they are very dog-like. They yeah. will play fence. Yeah. They love to go into the water, but they're very one-on-one. -on -one. So it's good for them fellas or the ladies that come back that don't want a cat that's going to run off and be with the whole family but are quite happy to be in the room and hang out with yeah. their person all day. And Siberians will do that. As long as you're playing with them on the bed, they're quite happy to stay right wherever you are, including on the toilet. They'll sit on your lap while you go. <laughs> so... They're, and they're very switched on cats, but in a different way to the ragdoll. Yeah. Um, I'd be more inclined to an older person who needed company and a reason to get out of bed. I'd be more inclined to say Siberian. Yeah. Um, a younger family, I'd be more inclined to say, what, if you've got, you're getting one cat and there's five that you want to share it, go with the ragdoll. Yeah. Siberian. And from what I've seen... Um, ragdolls and Siberians are a bit like Abyssinians. You just can't seem to stop at one. You tend to always end up with two or three. Yeah. <laughs> it's like potato chips. You can't just open a pack and take one. You eventually end up with the whole lot and the whole range of colours. And but yeah, very much. Um, it for me, any cat can be a therapy cat if it's the right connection there. Yeah. But it's working with a breed, like if again, if I came to you and said. I want a cat that's going to do this for my family. I'd, I'd like to have a breed that says, look, it's probably the wrong breed for that. Yeah. Um, and I always say that a lot of my people, the importance of go to a show. Yeah, and I actually think too, it's really important to actually, if you go to a show, actually talk to a number of people. And even when you're talking to breeders, even if they're not breeders of a particular breed, sometimes it's good to hear the other opinions because sometimes there are breeders out there that will tell you whatever they think you want to hear so that you'll buy one of their, their cats. Because unfortunately, anytime there's money involved, um, there are always someone out there that's going to do the wrong thing. But the majority of people will have a fair bit of knowledge, particularly if you're looking for a particular cat for a particular um, situation. So um, there's a lot of breeders around that, uh, and all breeders have opinions. It's one thing I have found out about breeders is that everybody's going to yeah. be excellent. Uh, and it's great because you do get lots of different ideas. And then really it's about doing your research, taking your time to take those different opinions. Because of course opinions can, you know, be very different sometimes and actually trying to work down and do some research into what, what really is the, 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 the real situation and of course having a relationship with your breeder is really important too what i'm assuming you having to be able to place the right kitten with the right situation you need to get to know people just a little bit to be able to work out what's going to work best well, how it works for me um i actually closed my website down when covid started because i was getting like up to 100 messages a day so at the moment i have a facebook page which is basically my storefront and i sort of screen who's there just to basic information and who's actually wanting a kitten or a cat and then i also have my facebook group that i then put them over to, into the group once i've worked out that yes they're legitimate and they've got an interest in everything else and we share the updates and who's pregnant and who's had babies and and ironically out of all of the kittens that i've had born to me in the last five years there's only two that i'm not in contact with wow that's not unusual i've actually heard that from a lot of breeders is that um, the majority of them actually do keep in contact with their the um, owners of their cats, which is fantastic. And that's kind of what we want, isn't it? Like, yeah, when you raise them, they're your babies. There's a couple that are, you know, um, it's their birthday, it's Christmas, it's Easter, happy. 
but I mean, I'm happy with that. And then there's others that I talk to every single day. Yeah. Um, but I, I think as a breeder, it's also being honest. I mean, I had a family contact me recently and they came to me wanting two kittens. And I listened to their story and I'm sort of like, well, is there a busy family at best? Two kittens is a lot of work. I said, how about mum's being dissexed? And they're like, oh, well, we, how old's mum? I said, mum's two and a half. Yep. I said, but she's still very playful. She's, you know, she's one of my homebred girls. And they um denied and they said, yeah, okay, we'll give it a go. And they're absolutely in love because the, the little, the kitten that they adopted runs around crazy with the kids and mum's quite happy to sit on the lounge with mum and watch her soaps at the end of the day. So they, they got their cake and ate it too. But I mean, I could have quite easily sold them two kittens. Yeah. And I think they would have been overwhelmed by it. Yeah, yeah. And there are a lot of um, breeding queens and um, studs that do sometimes come up. So you don't necessarily have to go for a kitten when it comes to therapy cats either. I know one of the therapy, actually, actually all of the therapy cats that are, we've got here in Adelaide at the uh, Psych Med, all of them are ex-breeding um, cats. They've all been um, queens or uh, studs at some time. So it's a really good way for them to actually, if you don't want to go for that little kitten that might cause you, you know, a bit of chaos and that sort of thing, to actually adopt an older ex-breeding cat that has been in that sort of situation. It's a good way of doing it. I love I love doing a mum and baby adoption if I'm going to sell two cats at one time. Yeah. The other thing I find that's really good for the retired queens and studs is our older population. Like, yeah. if you're you know, if you're 80 years old, yeah, you may be alive like the Queen or you know Prince Philip and turning 100 and have the cat outlive your cats. But if you end up in a home, you know that's always a real risk. So if yep. your cat's already you know three or four, then you know I I just think it's past that running around zooming around kitten stage. Yep. You're more likely to lay on the lounge with you and watch TV as opposed to climbing your curtains. Stage. Absolutely, so I'm always very honest with. Um, my adoptions like that and i also um, i've not heard of other breeders doing is actually um you know for example if you come to me and you said i'm 80 you know i want a cat i am up front and say if this happens if you end up in a home what's going to happen to your cat yeah do you have plans in place and that yeah. some will say oh yeah my daughter will take them i'm like well have your daughter contact me yeah um, my door's always open to bring them back but you can't bring back every single cat Yes. Every single time, especially, you know, like I've had cats go to South Australia, so I can't just pop down and pick it up, especially with COVID. Yeah. It's, it's changed everything. So, yeah. Uh, some people think, oh, you know, that's a bit crude. You know, they, they could live for another 20 years. I'm like, yes, and they could have a stroke tomorrow morning, and I've got a cat on the other side of the country that I need to do something with because I can't just walk away. Um, that is actually something that, um, like a lot of people don't realise is that when you um, purchase a pedigree cat, you will often have some kind of um, contract or agreement with the breeder. And in that agreement, 99.9% .9 of the time, it actually states that if for any reason, you are no longer able to care for the cat, you must get in contact with the breeder and the breeder will take it back and rehome it if, if need be. Yeah, and that's my contracts as well. Yeah. Unless, unless they say, you know, like, 
it's going to my daughter and I've spoken to yeah. and then both names go on the contract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, it's just for example, it's just Mary's cat, but the backup person will be her daughter, yeah. whoever. So and you know, it, it's um it's a difficult thing for us all to sort of think about, but you know, when you when you get a cat, a cat can last for twenty years. So you do have to sort of have a contingency plan as you get older. And I know a lot of breeders have um, plans in place that, you know, if anything happens to them, exactly what would happen with their cats and that sort of thing. So it's no different to to that and to adopting a, a cat, you know, when you get into your sort of 70s and 80s, it is, does have to be a consideration as to what's going to happen with our little fair babies if anything goes wrong. Yeah, exactly. And for some people, you know, it might only be... It may be the cat's 15 or 16 and mum goes into a home and the kindest thing is to put the cat to sleep because yeah. they're, they're just so attached to their person. But if that cat's 15 months old, it's still got 19 years hopefully yeah. left. So I'd rather them come home to me and find the right person or yeah. go to the, you know, the daughter or the grandchild and they have it for the next 19 years. Yeah, exactly. But not everybody these days, you know, corporate body laws and everything else can bring cats home, so. Yeah, yeah, that's it, exactly. No, it's uh, there's a lot to be thought of when it comes and to... I suppose it's the side of reading this. don't want to hear about. Sorry? No, well, even mum going to hospital to have a baby and somebody having to look after the cat. Very you true. Know, I asked. I ask them questions. Are you in touch with somewhere that can look after it and stuff? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. We um, I occasionally work at a, a boarding facility, and quite often, um, you know, they'll get a phone call where somebody's had to go into a hospital for suddenly, and they'll often have the cat there for you know a week or two. But at least they've got a plan, um, and the family will know that that's where. You know, if mum's going to go in a hospital, cat goes into care for two weeks and then nobody has to worry about it. It gets well looked after and then they pick it up on the way home usually as uh, mum's coming out of hospital or whatever. But, yeah, it is really important. Um, and I suppose all of us breeders think that, you know, we, when we're looking at the situation, we do have to consider these sorts of things. Well, I also I include it in my kitten packs as well. Like this, this is the boarding facility in Townsville that I recommend. This is the vet that I recommend. Yeah. This is where I go for who will do grooming. Um, you know, um, just as a breeder for other breeders, the more info you can give them, the better chance yeah. that it's happening the right way around. So absolutely. And I suppose with the, from a therapy cat perspective, um, with old people in particular, there's actually been some scientific evidence to demonstrate that people who are over the age of 80 who have a pet at home tend to look after themselves better. Some of the time they'll actually eat and cook for themselves better because they like to give tidbits to their pets. Um, but it's the fact that they actually have to get up in the morning and they've got somebody else to think about and not themselves. So therapy cats can really be from the very young, you know, all sorts of disabilities right through to the older people that have them as companions. Interestingly, um, my, my mother passed away two years ago and dad's 77 and he has early stages of dementia, but he still remembers to get up and to feed the cat and then he'll remember that he has to have breakfast. Yes. And same at dinner time, but he might skip lunch because he doesn't generally give the cat lunch. It's breakfast and dinner time. Yeah. But he'll actually cook 
some meat to give the cat the meat off his plate and you know he'll cook scrambled eggs because his cat likes scrambled eggs and where I think if he didn't have that he would just not remember to do it yes because it's been his routine with his cat for a number of years now even with the early stages of dementia he might put you know the milk in the cupboard and the keys in the fridge but the cat gets fed so <laughs> And I and I think for our oldies, it does give them that reason to get up, especially if they've not got family around them as well. Like, you know, I've got to get up. I've got to do this. The cat's waiting for me. Yeah. And Siberians yeah. are very good for that because they're quite vocal and bossy and like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately, we've got a few bossy ones in our house too, but they're not Siberians. They're just domestics and they tend to get me up. In fact, one of them is called Bruce. And when he was a kitten, he was called Bossy. And he's still bossing me around. <laughs> well, my, my stud Siberian is called Frodo. He needs three breakfasts and three lunches and three dinners, according to him. And he was like that from the day one that he arrived and we sort of had all these cute names picked and he just ended up proto. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds to me like you're starving that poor cat. <laughs> uh, he thinks so. Like, yeah, I can see like a little slither of the bottom of my food bowl. So, you know, oh, obviously I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is probably a good place for us to end our conversation today. Thank you so much for joining me, Mary. What a problem. Some really important points here is to do your homework if you're looking for a therapy cat. Make sure that you get the right breed and the right cat for you. Consider older retired breeding cats as they have outgrown the kitten craziness. And above all, talk with the breeder. That relationship can be a great bonus. I also want to thank Oz Pet Litter and Cat Pad Enclosures for their ongoing support to keep the lights on at the cat pad and the cat food in the cat bowls. Your ongoing support is very much appreciated. If you would like to support me, you can share my content and help spread the word about responsible cat ownership. You can also purchase my merchandise or become a Patreon member. Links are on the Cat Mama website. Until next time, let's keep making the world a better place for all cats.